I guess the point, maybe the first point that I want to try to make is that as Agilists, right, I think we come off naive sometimes asking our leaders to not impose dates or not impose budgets and or even to say, like, it's unreasonable to expect me to be able to forecast what it is we're going to have ready in time. Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is another Saturday morning podcast. Mike Kottmeyer is taking time away from his weekend, and we're going to talk about a fairly complicated topic. Maybe it's not that complicated, but it is something that that all of us deal with. It's just got a complicated title. It's been running around in my head for the last week. So like I was on vacation this week and texted you and said, I have two things I want to talk about. Can we record on Saturday? That's like, that's like the height of being a geek, I think, is when well, you can't control yourself. Vacation yeah. is you slow down the work to a more reasonable pace. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about maximizing value within constraints. Within constraints. Absolutely. So can you explain what that means for the normal people out there who just woke up and are having a normal Saturday? Yeah. Well, they won't probably be listening to this on a Saturday morning. So hopefully they'll be like lively and refreshed. Okay. So, so here's like, here's like the, the general idea is that, you know, I think what the impetus for this is while I was on vacation last week, I actually had to fly to Raleigh and, um, and, and do a talk at the triagile conference up there. And so I said, I have to, right. I, I, I chose to, right. Uh, but anyway, so, so left vacation. Christopher Avery is clapping his hands in the background, right? Yeah, now. yeah there you go. Yeah. My responsibility. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so I, I chose, I got up Tuesday morning, flew up to triagile and, you know, I was talking with, with, people in the room. And, you know, one of the things, one of the themes that I hear quite a bit is this idea that, you know, my management says they want to do agile, but they still expect me to deliver to dates or to fix time, cost, and scope. And, and, and there's like an interesting thing there where I go, I go, I I usually ask people, is there a world in which dates aren't going to matter? Is there a world in which the cost of the product isn't going to matter? Is there a world in which, you know, people are just going to give you a pile of money and an indefinite date and let you deliver whatever the heck it is you want to deliver? Right. And so and so like what I think about a lot is is it's not a reasonable expectation, even if a leadership team wants to use an agile approach to building software to say, hey, we're agile. We don't have any constraints. Now, the flip side of that is to say, well, you also, it's unreasonable to say, okay, well, we're going to fix time, fix cost, fix scope, and expect the delivery team to deliver everything we want within the time constraints for the budget that we described, right? That's the other side of the irrationality. And so, so the, way that, the way that I tend to think about it, and this gets to the title of what it is we're going to try to explore here today, is the idea of, of given the fact that constraints matter – but also given the fact that we don't know everything about what it is we're going to deliver, right? So we can't fix time, fix cost, fix scope. The question becomes is how do we maximize value within the presence of constraints, right? How do we get as close as we can to what the business needs um, in a way that, you know, maximizes economic value without killing the team? Does that make sense? It does, but I have a bunch of things that I want to just toss up into the air now. 
Let's just go. Okay. So first of all, I just want to be clear with folks. When we talk about constraints, the main things that we're focusing on are, which you did mention this, are cost, time, scope. And I would argue quality, but I know you have a different feeling about quality. Well, well, quality is absolutely an attribute of delivery, but I, I think of it as a subcategory of scope. Sometimes people, sometimes people don't like that because you know, like they'll say, like quality should be non-negotiable or you know that kind of a thing. And and, and I agree, right? But it's just like you know, to me, I don't, I don't see see a need to to expand the triple constraints. Well, so, and so make it can square. I explain yeah. why? Okay, <laughs> yeah, when I'm sure. thinking of it as a traditional project manager, I think of all the projects I've worked on where it was okay. You have to meet this scope within this time, even though it's not physically possible. So what do we skip on? We skip on the testing. So well, quality yeah, right. becomes so a thing that we choose to ignore. I just in think order it's, to claim I think it's semantics. Okay. I just think it's semantics, right? right. Yeah. Um, so. Now you talked about, when you talk about the constraints, we can absolutely define what those are. We can say, you know, yep. this date, this amount, this whatever, but yep. the value is the thing that we're also going to have to quantify if we're going to figure out how to maximize it. So that's another variable that we've got to contend with now, right? Yeah, 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 sure. Okay, so so let's just like let's for the sake of this, since you and I are exploring this, like let's just yep. let's just keep it simple a little bit, right? So let's just take like the most simple example. We have a single scrum team and we have a stack rank backlog. Okay. Estimated in story points, right? And and to your point that you just made, values implicit, right? The most valuable thing is at the at the the top of the list, okay. and the least valuable thing is at the bottom of the list. Okay, so <clears throat> we know that we have to get to a trade show in the middle of summer, right? Yes. So we're sitting here in January. We know we have to get to the trade show. We have to have a product. Yep. Right. We just have to, right? Or else our whole revenue cycle for the next year is done. Okay. okay. So we say, okay, cool. Right. So we have a really, really hard constraint of next summer. I think most reasonable people would say, you know what, given the economics of the business, given what we're trying to accomplish, the date is a, is a reasonable constraint. Right. And even if <clears> it's so, re- unreasonable, it's still a fixed thing that we can't change. Well, well, yeah. Right. So that's why I say it's reasonable, right? It's okay. just like, it just is right. It is. It's inarguable. Okay, so so given that given that we have to have a product of some sort done in it by summer, right? Then then we know that we have to we have to have that, right? The other thing that we have is that we 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 also know that um, one of two things is true: either we have a fixed team size, and we know that you know maybe in in this particular case we don't have the money to hire more people. Right, because money is not an indefinite resource. Sure. Or, you know, we kind of go to you know the mythical man month kind of thing where we say, well, maybe we do have money to hire more people, but the reality is, is that you know nine people, nine women can't deliver a baby in a month, kind of a thing. Right. So, like a lot of times, the way I'll describe this is that we might be able to grow team size over time, but in the short run. Right, adding people into the mix yeah. will likely just, you know, drive complexity and communication problems and, and actually not help us in the short run. Right. Over time it could help us, right? But in the short run between now and summer, it's not gonna move we know middle. that we yeah, we just can't, right? Yeah. So either we have like a financial constraint, right, where we can't hire people, or maybe we have just a um, you know, just a team size communication, can't deliver a baby in a month kind okay. of a thing. Yep. Right. So <clears throat> so cost kind of becomes a constraint. Okay. So, so now we say, okay, so what do we have to, to play with? 
Okay. So really, so looking at the triple constraints, time, cost, scope, right? The only thing that we've got left to play with is scope. But here's the deal, right? The market has expectations of us. We have to be in market with something that, that the market cares about, right? That our customers care about by the time that has to be compelling, right? So, so you start to see the dilemma. So we you want to have a charging pad yeah. for your phones and your watches and all your other stuff. <laughs> Oh, you're going to use that? Well, why not? I mean, it's a perfect example. They had a date they (laughs) had to hit. Couldn't match the quality or the scope. I mean, however you want to, you know, whatever articles you want to read. But um, there's a choice that's made there. Well, yeah. So so I think in in Apple's situation, right? I mean, that's not their primary revenue stream, right? So they're making money off of, you know, um, iPads and iPhones and app stores and all kinds of different things, right? So so whether they bring a, whether they bring a charging, a multiple unit charging pad to market is, is I I would imagine somewhat discretionary, at least in the the big scheme. It probably wasn't a great failure for that team that was building it, but and even if it's not going to happen, they're still getting their name in the press for not having it. So it's still creating more awareness around their brand. Well, well, so here's the deal, right? So, so basically what you're, so, so the path that you're taking me down is that, is that delivery was actually optional for this, but, but so, so del- actually putting a product in market was not a constraint, right? So, so in that particular case, right? So um, they had a date, yeah. so they had a date and, and they just decided just not to deliver on the date. Well, they could not meet the scope. It was they a fixed scope, thing. Right? It's a yeah. fixed thing. Because you're saying quality and scope are tied together. So to me, that's a fixed thing. So they have a fixed date. They have a fixed scope. Money's no option for them. But no amount of money got them to the point where they could get this thing into a place where it was valuable enough to deliver. Yeah, sure. So so flip that into the software world, right? Because okay. software, right? Software, you can you can deliver something. Yeah. Right? You can always deliver something. Right. So the idea is, right. So getting back onto our thread, right. We have, we have to hit the trade show. We have a relatively fixed team size, at least in, in the short term horizon. Right. So now what we have to do is we have to figure out how to build a, um, the, the, the most sufficient product that we can possibly build within, within the constraints that have been established. Right. So I talk about, so, so again, right, where we set up the conversation, maximizing value in the presence of constraints. So, so, so I guess the point, maybe the first point that I want to try to make is that as Agilus, right, I think we come off naive sometimes asking our leaders to, to not impose dates or not impose budgets, and or even to say, like, it's unreasonable to expect me to be able to forecast what it is we're going to have ready in time, you know, so so as a, as a business owner. Right. So sometimes I, I personalize this stuff. Right. As a business owner, <clears throat> I'm making investments. Right. Whether they be in people or technology or tools or what have you. And as a business owner, I expect a return on that investment. Right. You know, my my job as a business owner, and this is going to sound really harsh, is not to self-actualize developers or to self-actualize um, uh, my, my consulting team. Yeah. Right. I want I want my consulting team and my development team to work in an awesome environment where they feel like they have control over their world and they can make a difference and they can build meaningful things. Right. I, absolutely. But it's not why you started but the company. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. So but if I can't get an economic return on that investment. 
right? Two things, right? So first of all, right, you know, I'm not, not in this for my health, right? But then also just in a really pragmatic way is if you can't run a company profitably, right? There's, there's not money to spend to make those investments. Yeah. I mean, the reason why leading agile survived as long as we have, is we've been able to maintain profit margin throughout the life. And, and when things have been dicey for us as we've grown, it's when, you know, we've tried to keep people on the bench and, um, you know, we've eroded profit margins for the sake of holding our team together. And, you know, we haven't had very many months where we've ever lost money, but, but we've had a, a few. And the, the reality is, is you can't run a business um, at a loss for very long, right? Okay. You know, um, just in you know, if it's if it's your own money, right? The company's health is is weak. If you're spending investors' money, right? The investors aren't going to invest indefinitely, right? So the pragmatic reality of any business, the business of building software, is that we have to figure out how to get something in market that we can charge money for. And so when as agilists, we basically say, well, agile, you know, agile's just like, we're just going to, you know, just get the team together. We're going to trust them. We're going to empower them. And magic will happen. The best we can, right? Well, what if the best we can runs us out of business, right? And so, so there's this tension, there's this tension in companies, right? And, and it's again, right? You know, I started leading agile with, with absolutely the intent to build a, a company that was, was agile like we want, like we would want our customers to be, right? But at the same time, the other side of that is I want to be able to make money. And so, and I want to be able to pay our bills and I want to be able to make payroll and I want to be able to do all those things. So there's a tension. And, and the idea is, is like, like as we're delivering services, right? Or as we're building software, we have to make sure that we can do that in a way that's profitable so that we can continue to stay in business. So, so can, okay, can, I, can I interrupt and yeah, ask some please, questions? Please, All right. yeah, so you're talking yeah. about this tension, and I, would, I just want to check in on this. So I think it totally makes sense, hopefully makes sense for everybody listening, that from the business perspective, your job is to run the business. You have to find a way to be able to plan things. You have to be able to generate a profit. There has to be a reason for the company to continue to exist. It would also make sense to me that on the development side – that the people working in that group would want to have an environment that would help them self-actualize and would be as fertile a land for them to grow in their careers and their knowledge of the universe and whatever as they possibly could, a magical sure, right. agile place. Yeah. That yep. tension between the two sides, which it often, I agree, it often sounds like the agile people are saying there should be no tension. Well, if there's no tension, there's no punk rock. If there's no punk rock, there's no innovation. And that innovation yeah. is what drives everything forward. So the tension, which a lot of people, I think this is, to me, this when, when you're talking about this, this, what I'm coming to is people think there shouldn't be tension. There shouldn't be conflict. And if you don't have conflict, you don't have creation. You don't have the brand new things. You don't have any comedy. There's nothing good happening. Um, how do you maintain that yeah. balance? That's well, well, so so here's an interesting thing, right? So one of the one of the early engagements that we had, I don't even think we had we had actually hired anybody. So I was probably still an independent consultant. This was probably year one of leading Agile, and <clears throat> I was on on site. And this this executive comes in, and basically says, "Okay, we've had a total change of plan on the release. We have to do A, B, C, and D, and we need it done in three months." And the product manager is just like freaking out. Like, oh my God, like, how are we going to do this? Wow, this is way too much stuff, you know? So what, what we did is we had to say, okay, let's just sit down for a, an afternoon and let's figure out 
um, what it is that we can do, right? What gets us as close as we possibly can to being able to, to maximize value. And so we sat down and we story mapped things out and we took epics and broke them down into features and features down into user stories. <clears throat> and, you know, at this point in time, we, we knew the velocity of the team and we could do some high level estimation and we could figure out, you know, what, what, you know, which of the big things needed to be left out, which of the, the, the features we, we thought we could put in within the epics we decided to do, you know, how do we want to fine tune the user stories and so, like, within an afternoon, just with a small subset of the team, we, we kind of roughed this thing in. And we went back to that CIO, and we said, hey, look, so here's the deal. We kind of did a preliminary estimate of that, and, you know, we just kind of back of the envelope it and said, okay, this is, this is what we think is possible within the constraint that you gave us. And, you know, asked, we said, if we could deliver this, right, then would that be sufficient? And the guy's like, yeah, I think that would be sufficient, and you know the team, the product owner was like, "Well, well, we've never seen the 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 CIO back down like that, right? He usually wants everything, right? Well, so what we did is we came and we gave him a data driven assessment of what was possible. Right, you gave him options. Right, how do, how could we maximize the value? How could we maximize the value <clears throat> within the time and cost constraints that he established? Right, because the cost con- the time and cost constraints weren't negotiable. And so and so I think that tension, right, getting into that theme of tension, it's like <clears throat> it's like leadership oftentimes they they want what they want right it's like and and again i have a i have more empathy now than i did for this 10 years ago it's like i desperately want to make sure there's like two things that are super important to me like building cash maybe three things four things building cash paying taxes making sure that people are taken care of right i need to manage the economics of my business and sometimes that means i need certain accounts to extend or i need right. new accounts to come in i got like i just need it to happen Right. It doesn't mean it's possible. I just need it to. Right. So I'll come in pretty hot and with a sense of urgency and like we have to do this, have to do this, have to do this. But the reality is, is that if it's not possible, you know, I need somebody to come to me with a data driven assessment and go, okay, well, we can't do this. So we're going to have to lay these people off or we're going to have to reduce our back end. I mean, there's other things. But my t- the tension that I'm trying to put in the system is we have to do this. Okay. So hold on one second. You know? So, yeah, go so. For it. I'm thinking about all the teams that I've worked with, all the different environments that I've worked with, where some manager said, we have to do this. Yeah. And everybody felt like, shit, we have to do this. Like, th- we don't have a choice now. We, you know, they're making yeah. us do this thing. We have to be here all weekend. And yeah. I think a big part of it is whether, I don't, you know, we could discuss whether or not they feel safe. But if we're just talking about being responsible and grown up about it, the people that are going to do yeah. the work, if they're going to engage at the same level of maturity that the, the leadership is, they have to say, you know what? It's awesome that you want everything. You can have these two. You can have any two you want. Which two do you want? Like offer them choices. But is it that the people doing the work have to step up and engage at a more mature level? Well, okay. So, so what you're, the path I think you're sniffing down here is that we're, we're almost talking about like the psychology, like the negotiation yeah. of this thing. Right. Yeah. And, and it's so like me on my best day, right. When I'm like centered, I've meditated, like I'm really good, you know, like I'm not feeling a ton of pressure. Like it's like, it's, it's, you know, like, like being a leader on your best day, right. That's how you're going to approach the team. Right. You're going to go, Hey, look, right. So we have this objective, we have these constraints, we have this, you know, so let's figure out how to maximize our economic outcomes within these constraints. Right. Give me a plan for how to do that. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that I've kind of observed, right. And, and, and this is, this could take us down a whole different rabbit hole is that it's like, depending upon the human beings that work for you and where they're at in their lives and what they have going on, right. It's, it's tough, right. It's tough because sometimes without injecting energy, without injecting constraints into the system, people tend to kind of just go, okay, we're just going into neutral for a little while. And they might be doing, I mean, they're doing their jobs and everything, but like, but like there's periods of time where people don't want to push, push very hard. But do you think there right? are places yeah. where there's no constraints? Cause when you were talking about that earlier, I'm like, nothing would happen. <clears throat> well, 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 so, so, so again, right. It's, so it's, it's, this is where it gets into the psychology of it. It's like, like sometimes I wonder like within leading agile or like when I was a project manager, if I'm not injecting energy into the system, to try to get some things done, to try to push the system. Yeah. You know, I think, I think people tend to relax a little bit, right? Because people don't want to show up every day and, and, and be stressed. Okay. And so, so there's this tension between, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, would the system still continue to flow if we found ourselves in a situation where we weren't operating within constraints? Okay. But, but so that so like the psychology of of this right how human beings behave in the presence of constraints or the absence of constraints and will people continue to push hard right that's that's probably like a whole different conversation to have but neither like, one of us but, are qualified <laughs> well yeah like i'm not sure that i've got the underlying theories like on the top of my brain to how to do this you know i just you know i just observe yeah right i just observe sometimes that you know like different people need different constraints and different senses of urgency yeah to to, to be able to move, but, but that withstanding, right? So, so the question becomes is we're getting into this, this power negotiation between, so like I come in and I need it to happen, right? Cause I'm thinking I need to make payroll. I need to build cash. I need to pay taxes. I need to make investments. I need to build infrastructure. I need to hire these people. Like I need, I need this stuff to happen. And so on the other side, I need the team to figure out how to make it happen. And so where it comes like, is again, if I'm being a responsible leader, like I want to come to my team as calmly and as systematically and as open with as much safety as I possibly can and say, hey, guys, this is what we need to accomplish. But then the flip side is the team needs to come to me and go, okay, Mike, this is what I believe is possible within those constraints. Right. Right. And allow me to make make business trade-offs. So going back to that software team that we were talking about, it's like it's not it's not unreasonable for an executive to walk in the room or a manager to walk in the room and go, here's the scope we need. This is the date we have. This is the team we have to do it. And then the team has to have the ability, right? And, and as a lot of us does depend to, to your point on the amount of safety and the system, right? But the team has to be able to come and say, hey guys, uh, hey, hey leader, this is what's possible within the constraints. Now let's figure out how to negotiate. Now, occasionally we'll get in situations with leaders where, where the, where they're like, look, you know, that's insufficient. You just have to figure out how to do it. Just make it happen. Right now, then that becomes, that becomes a different way of framing the conversation with that team. I don't think, I don't think the actual strategy, the actual strategy changes. The team still has to maximize value within constraints because like, like I get, I've gotten into situations with clients before where, where I'm sitting down with them and, and we've, we've estimated the backlog, we've done all this stuff and the team's like, it's impossible to get it all done. I'm like, okay, well, what, what 20 to 30% of this backlog do you want to start with? I go, well, it doesn't matter because we have to get it all done. And, and, and then I'll tell them, it's like, well, you just told me it's impossible. 
And they're like, yeah, but we have to. Right. I'm like, but you said it's impossible. <laughs> but but then, then that's where that, I was going they, going to. It's, yeah. it's their job yeah. is to is to just step up and say, yeah, you can't. You can tell me we have to do it all. We can't. Well, well. So, so there's two things, right? So, one of the things that I'll ask a team a lot is I'll say, look, is it better to tell the truth and say this is the forty percent we can do and to be right than to say, okay, we'll give it our best shot. I think we can get it all done and to be wrong. Right. What's politically safer in your organization? And and sometimes it, it's it's legitimately politically safer to say, yep, we'll give it our best shot and fail than it is to say, nope, this is what we can really do. I think that's an irresponsible place to be. Right. I think it's an indicator of an unhealthy organization. But that's where that's where a lot of organizations are. Most of them, they're, yeah. Yeah. They're in the situation where it's politically unsafe to say no. But but I will tell you, right, even if I was in that situation where it was politically safe to say no, politically unsafe to say no, what I would still do is I would still maximize value within the presence of constraints. When I ran out of time and money, I would want that product to be in the best possible situation to make the trade show as it could possibly be in. And and I think sometimes we feel victim, we feel victimized by the constraints. So we go, okay, fine. I'm victimized by the constraints. I'm just going to do this project in whatever order, however I think. I'm going to build the best possible set of stuff that I can build. And, you know, just wherever it lands in the summer, it lands. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And if it does critical things, awesome. If it doesn't, then, you know, screw it, that kind of stuff. And we take an irresponsible approach to building the software because we feel victimized by the overwhelming amount of work that we have to do. Yeah. Right. And so, but the flip side of that is we, if we, if we took the approach that said, look, you know, our job isn't to, to try to figure out what the estimate is and to just, you know, say, okay, this is what this product needs to be. So we're just going to start building it however we want to build it and just hope for the best. Right. The trick in all of this stuff is to recognize that the constraints are real and that they have to be honored. But what we have to do is we have to make smart decisions as we go about how to vary scope, right, strategically so that we land in the best possible position by the time we need to demo this product in the summer. Okay. OK, so so what we so the, what we have to do is we have to make trade offs in the scope. We have to be strategic about how we sequence the work. We have to be thoughtful about making sure that we're continuously dealing with technical debt. We're continuously dealing with defects. We keep things potentially shippable all the time. And at any given moment, sprint to sprint to sprint to sprint, we have the most valuable product we could possibly have by the time we have to be in market. Um, one of the most honest things that I ever had a product person say to me, this is a lady, she was in Israel, and we were doing um, some remote stuff with her and her team. And, and we were going through this process. We were talking about breadth, which is basically like, am I going to get all like the major capabilities built into the product versus depth, right? Are we going to get the richness and, and you know, all the nuances of, the, of, of each, you know, uh, capability into the product? And one of the things that she, she said, she goes, Mike, when, when the budget is, is fresh and the project is young and we want everything we want and, you know, we just have all the optimism in the world, we just want to build everything. And we want to make it as cool as possible. 
And what ends up happening is because we take that mental approach, we, we find ourselves in a situation where we start running behind schedule. And so the and discipline- And then it's the I language think, of loss. And then it's the language of loss. Yeah, See absolutely. That? Right Loop now right it's going to be like, yeah, right? it's going to be like, well, what are we going to leave out? What are we going to leave out? Yeah. What are we going to leave out? Absolutely. Right. Great, great tie in. Right. Thank you. And so, <laughs> and so, and so the, 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 what we've got to figure out how to do, right. What we've got to figure out how to do is to say, okay, you know, we're going to move our way through this backlog. And if it's, and if it's important for the trade show to be able to say, I have all 10 of these capabilities, these big capabilities represented in the product, then what we have to do is we have to build those 10 big capabilities yeah. as thin as possible. Right with the with with the minimally you know minimally viable product right the the most minimally viable set of features within those capabilities that we can possibly build right because what we're we're optimizing for is our chances of being at the trade show with as many of the capabilities as we can possibly get so if we're going to maximize our chances of being in market with ten capabilities we have to be really careful how rich and robust right we have to really focus on um, building those capabilities is is simply as possible so we get as many of them as we can. The other strategy would be like, you know, like, okay, well, it doesn't matter if we get in with all 10 capabilities. We want, you know, as many capabilities as we can get as fully realized as possible. I don't care how many capabilities we right. get, but they have to be rock solid. Right. Well, then what we might do is we might identify and we might take a capability and build it, you know, just really deep and really robust. And just really nuanced and just just full of full of greatness, right? Full of edge cases, full of whatever, right? Okay. And so and so there's this there's this there's this constant trade off based upon priorities of breadth versus depth. All right. Now getting now, back to our language. I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm like, I, you, on a roll. I, yeah. I know you are. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way okay. to get. Stop me. It's all good. It's stop. All... I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Shoot. Um, okay. It's all good. So you're going through all this, and the thing that's rolling through my head is still that culture of I want everything. We have to give everything. I'm thinking about agile transformation and I'm thinking about setting up an environment and I'm also thinking about all the people that are still clamoring about safety. Do you think that there needs to be a conversation in the organization about, okay, look, this is my job. My job is to come in and ask you for too much. I'm Captain Kirk. I'm going to tell you we have to go whatever speed. Your job is to be Mr. Scott and say, I can't give you that. I don't have enough dilithium crystals. And my job is to say, give them to me anyway. And then your job is to tell me what you can do. And not to just acquiesce and say, yes, we'll just bail on quality and stay here all weekend and burn out. Your job is to give me the options so that I can make the smart choices. Because I don't think that that's a conversation that's clear, especially across the middle layer with middle management and the PMO. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's dicey, right? And 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 again, I think it does, this, this is starting to bleed into our language of loss, language of gain uh, conversation. Well, it's the, because it's, it's about like, protecting the tension. The tension has to be seen as an acceptable, healthy thing. <clears throat> Yeah. So, so, you know, it's funny. I, I, I have all these little anecdotes from the last 15 years of project managing and running companies and building software and things like that. And, and, and I do, I, so I guess the answer to your question is yes, that is the conversation, right? It's management's job to say, this is what we need. And then I think it's the team's job to be able to say, okay, this is what's possible within the constraints. Okay. And, and, the, but there's a nuance in there, right? Yeah. It's like everybody has to respect everybody's side. 
it's like management is not going to come to you and say, look, you can have as much money as you want. You have as much time as you want to build whatever product you want. Right. Right. It's not going to happen agile or not. Right. It's just not going to happen. Um, that's the reason why we kind of articulated the, the four quadrants leading agile compass thing. It's because it's like, if we're building, if we're like a lean startup trying to invent a market, trying to build something that we have no idea what it is, Right. Right. That's a that's a really different risk profile than than somebody who's trying to operate, you know, um, to try to build a set of features within a time constraint. Right. And we know what those features are, at least reasonably. And so so like in an ideal world. Yeah, it's like management has to be able to say, here's the constraints. But I think we also have to recognize that on the on the development side is that we don't want to sacrifice quality and we don't want to burn the team out and we don't want to make them do death marches working nights and weekends to try to to try to meet this scope. So I think as responsible professionals, like what we have to do, the conversation is kind of in two phases, right? It's like, it's like, okay, so this is what we believe that we can build within the constraints. Right. And, and then management can go, we like that. We don't like that. That's acceptable, not acceptable. But if we're good, right, we know our velocity, we know how to estimate, we're, we're a stable team working with, with a product owner that we've been, you know, uh, working with for a while, right? Chances are we probably know how to estimate our backlog. We know how to, um, we know how to establish velocity. So if I've got a backlog and I've got velocity, then I should be able to go to our executive team or our customer, whoever, and say, look, this is what's possible within the constraints you've given me. Now, again, getting back into the language of loss, language, and gain, we can say, okay, so now this is the strategy that we're going to employ to maximize value within the constraints, right? We know we have to be in market by the trade show. We know that this is the amount of money we want to spend every month to get us there. So we're going to build the feature set, the capabilities in this sequence, we're going to go for breadth over depth, or we're going to go for depth versus breadth. We're going to make these strategic trade-offs as we go. We're going to keep the product continuously shippable. We're going to make it, you know, you know, usable all the time, right? Like all those conversations that we like to have. And so I don't have to, I don't necessarily have to go to that customer and say, you can't have these things, right? But what I can say to them is like, this is the sequence we're going to build this product in to maximize your outcomes. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and it's just, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a subtle difference. Okay. But, but I think, you know, one of the, one of the, the podcasts that you and I discussed doing over the next couple of weeks is to talk a little bit about how, how we manage variability and uncertainty Yeah. and leading agile. Right. And so there will be a, like, like, I mean, I just have so much like in my head about how we deal with uncertainty, but it's like, but it's like the, the challenge that we've got is that it's like we, we are entering, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating, right? It's like, it's like the business is making bets right? It's investing dollars. It's making commitments. It's telling a story to try to stay in business. And, and so as it makes these bets in market, it's, it's kind of casting a future that it doesn't know for sure if it's true. Right. And then, but then on the flip side, right, it's like the, the development teams are not you know, they're, they're not infinitely knowledgeable or, you know, they don't have a crystal ball as to know what's possible. So, so, so much of this stuff, and this will get back into kind of our core project, shared core project management skill set, is that it's about risk management. 
It's like, it's like, it's like we know that we can't fix time, cost, and scope, but we also know that time, cost, and scope are real, right? And and that we're making bets. And so using this language of of betting, it's like it's like how do we make sure that we have we have our risk profile sufficiently covered so that like kind of no matter how things turn out or or how the the product ends up getting built that we're in the best possible situation that we can be in so you and, just and that's the trick you were just talking about how like we know that we have these things we know they're immovable we know we can't get around them we're still operating under this idea that we have to get around them anyway and the thing i like i've been stuck on for the last couple of minutes while you've been talking is it's the fear of tension. I mean, we're all saying things that make sense, but in practice, many companies ignore common sense and say, I know we can't do it, we're gonna do it anyway, and think they're gonna just brute force it and everything's gonna be fine because everybody's afraid to have the uncomfortable conversation. Management will say they want it, the team say they want it, but people don't step up and have it. So how do we get them to have those conversations? Or how do we create this the safe space for them to have those conversations? Yeah. So, so for me, for, like all I can all I can kind of go to is 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 my experience, whether it be as a project manager, whether it be as a consultant, whether it be as a CEO of a consultancy, uh, somebody who goes out and sells and makes commitments to customers. Um, it's like it's like tell the truth, be data driven, do it with integrity. Right. And, and, and at the end of the day, I've always erred on the side of if I tell the truth and I operate with integrity and I have a really good story that's supported by the data, then, then I have to be okay letting the chips fall. Okay. So you just said a few minutes ago that we all want to know we're going to end up okay anyway, but those chips might fall in a bad direction. Man, it's like, yeah. So, so, so. What what I've found in in my career is that when you when, when it's data driven, when it's integrity, when you're telling the truth, then then yeah, I, I don't know, right? So so basically, we have to be okay with failure. Well, well, so sure, right? So sure, you absolutely do have to be okay with failure, but and failure is always a possibility. But getting to what I said, so so you know, let's see if we can tie this last little thread to to this idea of of um, maximizing value within constraints, right? So for me, the constraint is I'm going to tell the truth. The constraint is, is I'm going to have the data. The constraint is I'm going to operate with integrity. Now, within those constraints, how do I maximize value? And, and just to be really clear, the value that you're talking about at this stage is, is how do I preserve my job? Right? How do I have these hard conversations without becoming marginalized within the company? Because that's what—that's the problem at the end of the day. Is that is that there's there's a there's a attention getting back to that theme yeah. between I'm the executive and I need this to be true, versus um, if I tell you the truth and tell you you can't have what you want, will my career be safe? Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, so here's the thing, right? It's, it, it's funny how it gets to this so often, because I think, I think the world you live in teaching CSM classes and, and some of the, the work that you've done, it's like, it's like you're dealing with people that don't feel like they can tell the truth. Yes, absolutely. Because their job's going to be at risk. Right. 
Okay. Well, again, right. So it's, again, your it, job's it gets, a risk it, either way. It, it, your job's a risk either way, right? So you have to kind of ask yourself. It's like within the constraints of, well, I work for an awful leadership team that might fire me if I tell them the truth. But one of my constraints as a human being is I'm going to tell the truth. Yep. Then what do I do? Right. And and so so I think what you do is you say, look, here's the truth. And by the way, this is how we're going to help you maximize value within those constraints. Because it's like, look, man, if you come to me and say, you know, I want 10 pounds in a five pound bag and I need it done by the end of the week. And this is the team you have to do it. And it just doesn't fit. Right. I, I have very limited options at that point. I can either tell you it doesn't fit up front. I can either say, OK, let me give it my best best job we can. <laughs> Right. Or right. I can start looking at some third alternative. Yeah. You know, let's figure out what our options are to, to get you as successful as we possibly can get. And 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 I think it's a I think the, the mindset shift that, that we're looking for here is is the leadership is going to come to us and give us constraints. Yeah. And if we're sitting here as agilists looking for a silver bullet for how to get management to stop asking for things within time costs. They're not going to stop. It's not going to happen, right? right? It's just not going to happen. And then the the flip side is, is if we just keep saying yes to everything for all the reasons you just talked about, we're going to continuously feel victimized by by the the leadership, and it's going to and it's going to create a hostile work dynamic. Yeah. Okay. Because nobody's nobody's expectations are being effectively managed. But if we can somehow figure out and say, look, you know, you're asking me to put five pounds in a 10 pound bag. I understand the business need. I understand where we need to be in market. I understand why you're asking me for this. Let me tell you, here's the risks of the ask, right? There's a, there's a pretty good shot that the 10 pounds isn't going to fit in a five pound bag. But let's talk about now, given the constraint, given the need, given the team we have to do it, let's start exploring some options, for how to do this. Yeah. Because, and to me, you know, getting back to Christopher Avery stuff, it's like, that's the only responsible place to be. And, and if you've decided as a human being that you're going to operate with integrity, you're not going to lie to people. You're not going to, you know, just like show up and just kind of do your job passively, aggressively, knowing that you're running into a brick wall. Right. Right. What are your choices? Right. So we have to start to figure out and say, you know, and, and again, to your point, right, tying back to the language of loss, language of gain, like, look, I'm telling you based upon past experience that this is where you're going to likely be. OK, this is where you're going to likely yeah. be, but we're going to orchestrate the delivery of this work to help you maximize your outcomes. Well, and okay. and the reality is, is if we're wrong in either direction, we get less done than we think. We're still going to put you in the best possible situation to go and have the best product possible at the trade show. And if if we're wrong in the other direction, right, it, it's easier than we thought. Then not only are you going to have what I told you you're going to have, but you're going to have more, and it's and it's going to work too, right? It's going to be shippable because now we had extra capacity. And, and there's a range in there. And so here's the interesting thing, right? There's a range in there where we know, we know what's likely, 
We know what's worst case scenario. We probably have a pretty good idea of what's best case scenario. And then the business has to has to look at that and go, okay, how do I market around that? How do I tell a story? How do I go sell it? Yeah. Right. How do I how do I create some how do I how do I create some some variability in my marketing message so I don't put myself in, in a bad spot? And and so and so that to me is the game. Can That's I, the game. Can I build on it for try to build on yeah, it? Yeah. So I want to see where you and this might tie it all back together, but I want to see where you see with this. So we started out talking. We were talking about value with maximizing value within constraints, and I was thinking yeah. about the product. And after this conversation, where I am with it now is there's there's value on many levels, and only one of them has to do with the actual product. There's if I'm talking about it as an individual, there's the value of me being able to respond with integrity in the face of adversity or tension. There's yeah. the team being able to understand what it can do. There's management working at a company where people will come back to me and give me options. So there's there's value of the product, but if all you focus on is that product at that trade show, that's very short-sighted, unless that is your business imperative. Like the lights are going to be out if you don't make that date. Um, well, but, but if that it's a company, be... then you got a different levels of value that you want to focus on. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's life, right? I mean, it's like what what I think the root of the problem is, and this this will crack us down a whole different um, thing. But I, I think we we're getting to where we kind of need to to put a bow on this. It's yeah. like it's like as human beings, we we want certainty. Right. It's really difficult. Like the hardest times in in my nine years of running leading agile have been where like I know that one client's likely to shut down or a couple of them are likely to kind of wind up. And what we're going to do next is uncertain. It's like, how do you make decisions in the presence of uncertainty? Right. And it's it's hard. Right. And it's like, I think I'm good at it. And it's, it, there have been a couple of times where that pressure has been crushing, right? Just so hard because you don't know, right? Because yeah. you have to manage the business forward, but you just don't know, right? And that uncertainty makes things uncomfortable. And, and I know as a leader, even though we're just over a hundred people, it's like, it's like, there's a tendency to want to go, okay, well, this account's just going to happen. That account's just going to happen. This account's just going to happen. And you want to try to reduce the uncertainty by establishing constraints, right? So I told this team, they have to be ready for the trade show with this scope, this cost, this, whatever, it's just going to happen. Right. Cause, and it's my strategy as a leader for saying, look, that's a, that's, that's uncertainty that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. Right. And and just let's just acknowledge that that's just hard is human beings living in constant uncertainty, which which really translates at a human level to economic uncertainty. Will I keep my job? Will I get my bonus? Will my kids be able to stay in college? Right. Will I be able to pay my mortgage? Will I have to move? Will my wife leave me? Right. All those different things. Right. Because at the point that I introduce economic uncertainty, then then it creates a whole lot of other uncertainties in my life that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. And so, so dealing with that uncertainty is just hard at a human level. It's difficult at a human level. So, so what leadership is trying to do is trying to reduce uncertainty by establishing constraints. And so as a team, though, right, if we know it's impossible, what we have to do is we have to respond to that reducing uncertainty by establishing constraints with as many options as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, you're okay. basically establishing certainty by saying, "You want a hundred? I got fifty. That I'm certain of. I'll give you fifty. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, so if a team comes back to me and just says, Mike, this is what our projections are. I just don't see line of sight. Then at least, at least I can go, okay, well, I have some decisions to make. I'm not going to make these investments. I need to let some of these team members go. You know, we need to, we need to, to not move in this direction as a company. At least I can start making some smart decisions on my side. If the thing that I've asked for just isn't realistic. Yeah. And, and that's, that's tough, but, but as a team, like, but you know, maybe just to put the final bow on it as, as a team, we have to recognize that constraints are real and they're there for reasons. And, and what we can't do, right. I believe it's irresponsible to do is to say, okay, fine, we'll just do it. Right. So we can't be on either side. We can't be like, oh, those bad managers, we just need to let, you know, they just need to stop giving us constraints. Yeah. Right. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and then on the flip side is we can't go, you know, um, oh, these bad managers are giving us constraints, so we're just going to play the victim on the other side, and we're just going to say yes and kill ourselves. Right. Right. I believe that there's a middle, which basically says, you know, there's a way to sequence the backlog. There's a way to talk about value creation that basically maximizes our chances of having the best possible economic outcomes when we when we run out of time and money. And, and that's what we have to focus on. We have to focus in the middle and, and have the really hard conversations about this is what we believe is possible. This is what will happen if things go better than we think. Yeah. This is what will happen if things go worse than we think. Okay. And put the organization in a position to manage the risk of that on the other side. It's interesting as, as you're talking about it, I'm, I, I'm kind of like stuck in this Christopher Avery loop in my head right now. And I'm thinking about the fact that people shy away from this stuff because it's uncomfortable. And oh, yeah, for it's sure. so much easier to be the victim and to not kind of step up to this level of engagement. But that is what, I mean, if you think about what Agile is doing in the workforce, yeah, we have all these processes, but if it's revolutionizing the workforce and changing the world of work, this is what it's doing. It's demanding that people engage at a level that they didn't have to engage at when they worked in the Ford factory back yeah. in the day. You know, and that's, that is a massive change and it's super uncomfortable for everybody, but none yeah. of this stuff works if we don't do it. Absolutely, man. How is that for a bow? That was pretty good, man. That was pretty good. <laughs> I think you did a good job for a Saturday morning. <laughs> I think we both did a good job. All right. So next time, though, yeah. we're going to talk about okay. how this, how you do it within, within a company, right? We'll focus on the leading agile side of it. Yeah, because yeah. So what I think will what I think will be fun to explore next time is is you know I mean we've grown, you know we've grown we're multi multi million dollar company we have over a hundred people we're doing some really really interesting things and and like we've never known like we never know more than three months out for the most part right so there's, there's some accounts that we have now that we we can start to see further forward but it's like Don't there's no guarantees it. right. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? So there's no guarantees, right? So how do you grow a company in the presence of no guarantees? And and what I think we'll have the ability to do is through the conversation about leading agile, um, you know, talk about a little bit about like, you know, how would you spin up a software company in the presence of uncertainty? Yeah. Um, I think I think part of the challenges is that like how you would spin up a software company is really different than what you do with a company that already exists. Yeah. In terms of risk and uncertainty profiles, so so that'll be fun to explore. So we have just like with most of our talks, we have no idea where it's actually going to go. <laughs> but it always but goes in a good a, place. This will be a fun conversation. Yeah, this went someplace very different than I expected it to. But I'm excited about yeah. what my brain's firing up about right now. 
So yeah, cool. And and if it and if it begs more questions after the fact, then maybe we'll we'll have a follow on. Uh, maybe we can do a follow on sometime. Yeah, or maybe so, the next. So let us know. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Um, you can always send stuff to dave.prior at leadingedge.com, and I'll make sure we work it into a podcast. So Excellent. cool, Mike. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You got it, Dave. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs>